come into your presence and we want to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Open up our ears, Father. We just declare that we are yours and we want to hear from you and we are open to not only hear but to obey. That we would commit to doing your word. So we thank you that this word changes us. It changes our lives. It changes everything about us for the good in Jesus' name. So we're here for good. Amen. We're going to receive good. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Um, so thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pastor, I'm going to pray a little bit, see if the Lord has a word for you. I think he might, so I'm just... 9, 13 through 15. Yeah, that's in the Message Bible. Yeah, Message Translation. So I'm going to pray in the Spirit a little bit, see if God does have a word for you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when I was speaking the word good, the Lord uh, kind of stopped me there. So I'm going to pick up there and see what he has. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord is saying that word good does pertain to you, daughter. He says that he has put goodness in your heart. He says that you always seek good. You seek the good in others. And he says, this is why I trust you with my flock, says the Lord, because you, you don't believe there's any bad people who are who can't be changed you always believe the good and you seek the good even in the midst of problems you're able to see goodness coming through and you see the good uh, that comes through in others and and the lord is saying more good is going to come to you because as you sow good you receive good and the lord says you shall receive goodness at my hand said the lord it will be multiplied back to you for the goodness that you've sown in the earth will come back to you in in the good, says the Lord, and and the Lord is saying that that the things that that the enemy has moved out of your grasp or uh, tried to hide from you or or tried to steal from you, He says they're never gone forever, says the Lord, because I bring those things back around in due season. And the Lord says, just keep your your mind and your heart focused on the good that I put in your heart to do in the earth, and surely goodness will come to you. Uh, don't be distracted by things that the enemy may be doing to try to keep you uh, from believing that what you're doing is of me and what you're doing will prosper and what you're doing uh, will turn out for the good the Lord says because goodness and mercy are your portion and goodness and mercy will be before you and will follow you all the days of your life says the Lord and the Lord is saying I have prepared uh, much good for you I prepared uh, many things that are going to work to your good and there's goodness coming in abundance in your life uh, even now says the spirit of even now even now says the lord expect more good expect more expect more abundance expect more great things expect more great things says expect 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 more good things says the spirit of the living god thank you lord praise god amen praise god amen 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 praise god amen thank you lord praise you jesus lord we just bless our sister and we thank you lord for the good 
that you called her to do in the earth and she's been faithful doing it and uh, has no intending to stop. So we thank you, Lord, for everything good coming back into her life sevenfold. That's your perfect number, Father, and then nothing will be lost from her. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. So uh, today the Lord wants us to talk about the fact that the provision is already made. Amen. The provision is already made. I think we have to keep that in mind because there are times where we'll get in a situation where we uh, have uh, unexpected difficulties or unexpected uh, uh, problems come up. And uh, we have to realize that God is never taken by surprise. There's nothing that's new for him. And he's not unprepared to help us and to give us a remedy in every situation. And so I think if we'll keep our minds focused on that and understand the pre-provision that God has made, then we'll be able to anticipate uh, peace. We'll be able to anticipate our answer uh, much more quickly. Uh, because God already has provision laid up for us. In Isaiah 65 and verse, uh, verses, I would say, uh, verses, uh, 21, start in verse 20. It says, there shall be no more, uh, an infant of days, nor an old man that is not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. That sounds like our Amos 9.13, doesn't it? They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will appear. So that's consistent with Amos 9, 13 through 15, I think. You know, before we call, he answers. The plowman overtakes the reaper. Uh, before we plant, we have a harvest. So it's it's a good thing that, that God is doing uh, in our midst. And, and to walk with God means to walk in the reality of that. Amen. It's not just a wish and it's not a hope, but it becomes a daily reality for us. So God has foreknowledge of everything. We have to remember that. He also has answers and remedies uh, to all of our problems. There is not one thing that will happen in your life that God didn't know beforehand and that God doesn't have a solution to if it's a, a, a problem in your life. Amen. God is rich in all things and in provision. So we only need to make contact with him and expect to receive. We have to have expectation. God will not or and cannot release anything to us without our faith involved in it. Amen. So when our faith is involved in it, there must be godly expectation there. There must be expectation of good. There can't be anything that we expect contrary to God's word if we, 
you know i i remember speaking with people off and on throughout the years and and um they would tell me some bad news and they'll say something i knew that was going to happen and i say well how did you know that if you were believing god for his word to come to pass see that's a that's a thought that should have been cast down and then you pick up the word again you can't believe in two things at one time. You gotta believe one way or the other. So if you are believing, if you're praying and you're asking God to do something for you, you have to do it in faith. And faith means that anything else that's contrary to that word cannot be believed. You can't put your, invest your energy. Uh, you can't invest fear in it. You know, sometimes the enemy will come up to you with an idea contrary to God's word to see if you're going to grab onto that. And so you got to cast that thing down and say, nope, that's not for me, devil. You're lying to me. I'm not believing that. I'm believing God's word. Just like I said before, before you came up here with that nonsense, I was speaking the word and I'm still speaking the word. And so that's a choice that we make from minute to minute and hour to hour. That choice is to believe him and to say no to anything contrary to it. So God is rich in all things and provision we only need to make contact with him and expect to receive know that nothing takes god by surprise and when we follow him we are not surprised either amen you can maintain peace you can stay in perfect peace even when there's quote-unquote chaos going on around you. Amen. Uh, I always look at devils as imps. They have no power. I don't care how much they try to frighten you and how big they try to seem to you. You know, it's the same has no power devil. Amen. And so we have to look at it that way, that they are powerless. Because if, if we are, are, if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no power greater than he. The greater one lives in us. We have authority over all the devil's works and nothing will by any means harm us. We have power over serpents and scorpions. If we eat any deadly thing, it will not hurt us. Amen. You know, I know people who are always careful about their food and watching. To me, that's fear. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying you go and eat bugs or anything like that. You eat what you want. But, you know, some people are so sensitive. You know, I ate so-and-so. I must have had some bad food. Well, how you got bad food? And the Bible says if you sanctify it with the word of prayer, it's it's good for your body and, and no uh, no poison. You can't be poisoned if you believe God. You know, I see how much people eat out and eat fast food. And I say, y'all got a lot of faith to be rushing up in anybody's drive through and you understand what I'm saying you don't know what them people are doing back there behind closed doors I mean it's been some wicked people that, that get their hands in food spit in food do all kinds of crazy stuff you just don't know so you got to trust God that, that you won't get poisoned you know it's like once a year that one restaurant uh, it's, I think it's a, a Mexican restaurant. They are always having a recall on their lettuce. And it's because, and it's always the same, it's either salmonella or E. coli, because they put human feces in with the fertilizer, or the people just go to the bathroom in the fields as they're growing that stuff, and nobody can stop them from doing it. 
And so this is something that's that gets to be a real problem after a while. So we have to believe God for the supernatural. We gotta believe Him for no deadly thing will, will hurt us in any way. And so once we, we start putting that in motion, you gotta stay with it. You can't believe, uh, that scripture on some things and don't believe it on others. You know, you gotta believe it across the board if it's gonna work for you. If the, the Bible says no deadly thing, then it's no deadly thing, period. You know, as even if it's, you know, you feel a little sensitive, well, you know, I ate so and so and and my stomach is all messed up well speak to your stomach and make it come back in line with the word of God you know and so sometimes we tolerate things out of habit and we don't need to and God's trying to move us along into believing across the board if you're going to believe his word you must believe his word and so it's a good thing to believe the word of God period uh, because it, it's it's just it's better for us we have a covenant where if we put our trust in that covenant and in God's word then we will leave a, a productive and a prosperous life so God first made provision back in the book of Genesis if you want to turn to chapter 3 we'll see the first instance where man took a bad turn but God had already provided the remedy amen he had already provided the remedy so in uh, Genesis 13 we see the the uh, fall of man where uh, Adam and Eve uh and and uh, the serpent is involved there and he talks Eve into um eating of the tree that that was forbidden to them to eat from it and uh it, the tree provided life for them and so now they've got a forbidden life growing on the inside of them they realize their eyes are open the bible says and they realize they're naked and so they begin to hide themselves uh, sin always brings shame you got me uh, sin strips you of the glory of God and, and there is a, a, a nakedness or an exposure, you can say, of, of things that, that shouldn't be exposed. And so, uh, they are now stuck in the garden and, and, and don't know they're afraid of God. Uh, something has happened to both of them. Uh, they confess to God what happened, uh, but they don't repent. You got me? This is very, very important to know. Uh, you can confess, but you don't, you know, what they do is play the blame game. Uh, the woman says, the serpent beguiled me, and then the man says, the woman made me do it, and she gave it to me, and so they just pass around the blame for their sins instead of confessing it. Your mind ever do that to you? Well, I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't said so and so, and I wouldn't have said that if they were. I was under pressure, and, I, and you keep saying that until, and you never confess and repent of your sins, and then you wonder why nothing goes right for you. You don't feel right. You're still crabby. You don't like people. On and on and on. It should not be for a child of God. We should be bold enough and confident enough in God's forgiveness to go to Him and confess and say, God, would you please forgive me? I'm not going to make any excuses and blame anything. I did that. And I am so sorry. I don't want anything to separate between you and me. See, friendship with God is, is the, um, the object of any repentance. It's not for you to be wrong. God's not trying to point the finger at you. If that were true, Jesus wouldn't have died for your sins. 
So the finger pointing stops, amen, at the cross. So if you've had benefit of, of forgiveness one time, avail yourself of it over and over. Because trust me, you're going to need it. You're not going to go through this life not offending anybody, not uh, hurting anybody, not making mistakes. It's part of humanity to make mistakes. But praise God, you have a forgiving and a loving God who will forgive you over and over again. And if you truly repent and turn away from it and say, God, you know what? Help me not to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to be the, the professional mess up person everywhere. You know, I want to be the person who humbles himself to you and, and comes to you when I need help. And so here we see with the blame game. So God sees he has to make a way for them to get their sin, sins cleansed. And so he says after he pronounces the curse on them, uh, he says, uh, uh, um, uh, in verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. So he had to kill an animal and skin it to cover their nakedness. And the Lord said, Behold, a man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God just put him out of the garden so they wouldn't live eternally in a fallen state. Sometimes when you get put out of stuff, that's mercy. You ever think about it? We so busy trying to give me an open door. We'll bust in a door trying. Or if somebody doesn't want to be around us, we get offended. We're rejected. We, uh, 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 you know, on and on and on. Sometimes that's a mercy move on God's part. Now I've seen that happen in my life. I thought for sure I was supposed to be connected with this ministerial group. And I couldn't understand why, uh, the, the, there was never like a friendliness and a, uh, a, you know, where, okay, so I'm a member. What does my membership grant me? You know, and I would go in there and the leadership and all the people, you know, they'd look around you and look over you. And I say, well, I guess everybody's trying to get to know somebody more important than they are. So I had to watch, check myself. I said, well, Lord, forgive me if I've tried to elevate these people above you know like if i get accepted by them i'm really somebody you know how that goes because the devil puts that kind of pressure on everybody and i thought to myself i said lord well i'm just gonna quit trying so hard i'm just going to be a faithful member i'm gonna because really that ministry had helped me a lot in learning a lot of the things that i learned about ministry about the prophetic that was my first feeding and I thought, well, surely, you know, this will be a place where I can come and be refreshed on a regular basis. And all I ever seemed to get was rejection. And then one day they sent me a letter saying that they weren't accepting my membership anymore because our, our what they say, our visions don't agree. We don't have the same vision they have or some. And in three years later, the man in charge uh, was confessed that he was homosexual. And he had been involved in a homosexual relationship with one of the missionaries' sons. And it was just a big mess. You understand what I'm saying? Well, see, if God had me bounced out of there before I had, and I saw all the people that were still in the association, broken, 
discouraged. Took a lot of them years to recover. Some never recovered. Sometimes God is sparing you, huh, of future trouble by kicking you out of a place because you could suffer eternally sometimes for some of these other people's mistakes and so i learned how to just go with the flow you know i don't take it personally i said well if that's not my open door god i'll just sit here until you open one but i'm not for kicking no door down especially if god has closed it to you you know your gift will make room for you but your gift ain't for everything it's not for everybody's ministry. It's not for every open door. It's not for every, you know, is, I used to hear preachers say, well, an invitation's an open door. And God never told me that. You understand what I'm saying? Because you'll have 15, 20 people calling you at one time and you start running after these open doors and pretty soon you broke. You done got somewhere. You can't get home. You know, people, there's all kind of crazy people out here that feel like you're supposed to come and, and minister for them for nothing. You know what I'm saying? And so I learned how to, if God tells me to do something, I'll do it. You got me? But I'm not sitting there, you know, fasting and praying, believing God for this, believing God. I got stuff to do. You understand what I'm saying? And uh and so it's like that. So I've worked it out with God where I know how he's going to use me, where he's going to position me, and how he's going to use me. And I have learned how to be content with that. Amen. He said he will make your name great. You don't make your name great. Amen. And man doesn't make your name great. And so we have to learn how to be satisfied with that. So God puts them out of the garden for their own good. So he's going to close doors on us for our own good. Amen. So you see right there, there was provision made for their sin. Right at the before they even fell, God knew they were going to fall. God had the provision for their redemption. They're on their way to getting back a connection with God. And that's the, the one thing that we have to have is always keep that connection with God. So Adam and Eve knew that if they lost contact with God again, what was the, what was the deal? You sacrificed an animal and you offered it to the Lord and confessed your sins. And that was the way back to God. Amen. So they got that right in the garden and and carried it on with their descendants until God brought forth his chosen people and those were the sons and daughters of Abraham amen and so that blood covenant has been what's tied us to God uh since the garden the blood has always tied us to God in fact the provision was made before the foundation of the world the bible says that lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth and so there was always that provision made for all wrong for all sin for all iniquity for all problems provision has been made because of the shed blood of jesus christ so in Luke chapter 19, we'll go, we'll get a modern example where we see Jesus. Now Jesus walked with the Father. He walked in an understanding of constant provision. There was nothing that Jesus went through, nothing he faced that wasn't either ordained for him or taken care of 
through his faith in the Father. Amen. He walked in faith and he walked in the presence of God at all times. So we have Luke chapter 19. And verse, this is the day of the Passover. Now this is right before Jesus is to be crucified. And it's before the, what we call the Last Supper, the Last Passover. Really this is the last Old Testament Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples will have. Amen. Because after this he goes to the cross and there's no more need for the yearly sacrifice. The temple's a wreck anyway. When he was killed, God split that veil to the Holy of Holies from the top to the bottom. So, you know, the whole thing was was exposed. And it was very, very hard for them to get that system working back again. Why? Because God had replaced it with a better covenant. So in uh, Luke 9, what did I say? 19 and chapter... Yeah, verse, okay, chapter 19, verse, we'll start in 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. So this is toward, toward the temple. And it came to pass when he was come near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go you, ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, Whereupon yet never man sat, loose him and bring him here. And if any man asks you, why are you doing this? You shall say to him, because the Lord has need of him. And they were sent and went their way and found even as he has said to them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owner said, why are you doing this? And they said, the Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast the garments on the colt and set Jesus upon it. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was coming near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, a whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying blessed be the king that comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest and some of the pharisees from among the multitude said unto him master rebuke your disciples amen you can count on religious people to misinterpret everything and he answered and said to them i said i tell you if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out and when he was come near and beheld the city, he wept over it, etc., etc. Now, part of the revelation of this is that whenever uh, the the um, sacrifices were being assembled for for the for the Passover, whenever the animals were being assembled for the Passover, uh, they would often have a beast of burden. Uh, that they would say, for instance, if people were offering up doves or if they were offering up lambs or something like that, those sacrifices had to be carried to the temple on another animal. There was a living sacrifice that people would give to the temple 
to be used for the annual sacrifice. So say, for instance, a donkey was needed. That was what they called a beast of burden. Donkeys were often living sacrifices. So say if I was John John Smith and I didn't have extra lambs or I, I was in poverty or I only had one lamb and one this and one that, I could make my offering to God a living sacrifice. And so after the, the annual sacrifice time was over, they give it back to me. So I kept using my animal, but it was loaned to the temple for the purpose of transporting the sacrifices that would be offered up to the place of, of sac, up to the altar of sacrifice. And so in a way, Jesus is doing that same thing. He is the sacrifice being carried on a living sacrifice to the place of his offering and so he will be killed outside the city of jerusalem and, and uh, uh you know at at the golgotha and so it is is fitting that they would have a an animal already set aside he didn't have to ask anybody and shop around for one and get this was offered to him so that aspect of that donkey being a living sacrifice comes into play here. Because when they tell that they don't know that man, they said the master has need of him. He said, oh, okay, just take it then. So these animals were considered to be living sacrifices in a way, but they're often given in exchange for what you would give as a sacrifice to be killed for the remission of your own sins. And so supernaturally, God makes provision for Jesus to make his entry into Jerusalem so that the people could honor him as a perfect sacrifice. What there, what it says here, they, uh, they were praising God for all the mighty works that they had seen. So the people are lifting up Jesus for one thing, but he's on that donkey for another thing. So there's always a natural uh, motivation for people to do certain things, but then there's a spiritual component to it as well. Like I might be uh, giving giving money into your ministry because God has told me to bless you uh, at a certain level, and then somebody else might give for a totally different reason. They just might like the way you preach or felt like God had spoken to them to favor you and bless them. So there's lots of motives you can see in a situation for doing, doing the same act. So the same act can mean different things to different people. But the reason Jesus was being honored is because he was about to be glorified. And so whenever there is a, a spiritual necessity here, like, like him being crucified is such a necessity in the earth that these people are like, rejoicing in advance for the salvation that his death will bring but they don't know that that's why they're doing it you got me and so he says if you don't do this the rocks will cry out because the bible says creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of god so every so the jesus's death is a, a freedom for all the world 
you know, from the, the humans in the world to the earth to the rocks to the, the seas to everything, there is a redemption that comes on everything in the earth, whether it's living or, or just here. And so, in, and so this rejoicing that they have, they, they think everybody in the crowd is, is praising him for a different reason. But that rejoicing must come. It's in the hearts of men to rejoice when freedom comes. It's in the hearts of men to rejoice when answers come and when provision comes and when God touches your life and when you you know that he's with you. All of that stuff is taken to account here. And so that's why Jesus makes the kind of entry into Jerusalem that he does, knowing that it's going to push the Pharisees over the edge. You got me? Because they stay wound up about him anyway. But now they're really going to be ticked off. And so that's why he weeps over the city of Jerusalem because they refuse to repent. This is a holy city where God comes to them first. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Amen. But there's plenty of people who do receive him. And so when you understand that, you understand that Jesus wants to to save everybody. He weeps over those that don't get saved. He weeps over the ones that won't receive his truth. And he gives them a long time to get it together and receive. Even the Jews that put him to, to death could after his death be converted. And because the gospel still goes on, God still is in the for, forgiving business. If he offers it once, he offers it over and over and over again. So God wants us to receive forgiveness. He wants us to repent. He wants us to take advantage of the sacrifice that was made for us at Calvary. So so we got that example. So you see the pre-preparation of God in the lives of people. Here we see another one in Genesis chapter 22. So your your little wet red wagon is is a, not a, 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 a something that's going to stump God, you know, put a strain on his budget. And, you know, all this, you can't have this and you can't, well, it's, it's scarce. You know, the first thing the devil will tell you is things are scarce. And that's why you can't have them. I said, well, yeah, if I'm looking at the world's provision, but where where my stuff is, ain't nothing scarce. Amen. You serve a God of abundance. Yeah, yours ain't coming from the world. Yours is coming from the riches and glory. And so we have to remember that, that many times our provision is not visible. Because God knows if he shows it to half of his kids, it'd be gone before the sun goes down. Huh? If the stores close, you get online and spend it. Amen. So, you know, that don't stop us from squandering. So that's why it's out in glory where we can't mess it up before it's time for us to need it. So in Genesis 22, <laughs> this is a story about, you know, Isaac. And, and after Isaac comes of age, uh verse 22, I might have to read a little bit here. Verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac. Oh, now what about Ishmael? 
obviously. God calls him his only son. Amen. Because if God don't recognize something, it don't exist. Huh? That's why he doesn't talk to people about a lot of things. He doesn't talk to, he doesn't talk to us about our confessed sin over and over again. Cause it doesn't exist as far as he's concerned. He says, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get you to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will show to you. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day... Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. So God didn't, didn't have him move right into this. You know, there's a third day reckoning or a third day reconciliation or a third, it's consistent throughout the Bible. You got me? In three days, you can see a lot of change if you wait on God's timing. And many times God is waiting for us to accept what he's told us to do and get peaceful about it. It takes about three days for most of us to simmer down and quit being wired and anxious about everything. That's, that's a good thing, you know. So he lift, lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Amen. So God didn't show it to him for three days. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and worship and come back to you again. Huh? We're going to go over there and worship and then come back to you again. So that means that he must have believed that this boy would be raised from the dead. If God told him to kill him, he said, both of us are coming back. Got me? Abram took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went together, both of them. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, here am I. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. Abram built an altar there and laid the wood on it and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, don't lay your hand upon the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know. Now I know that you fear God only. Seeing as though you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering instead of his son. And he called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, that is to say, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord. 
But he swore by himself because he could swear by no higher. Amen. He says, said the Lord, for because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. He says that in blessing I will bless you and multiplying I'll multiply your seed. And so there are some things that we need to lay down in order to pick up God's best. At every juncture of uh, Abraham's relationship with God, he has to lay something down and trust God with it to raise it back up again. And raise it up better, raise it up new raise it up more powerful because and see many times we don't know what kind of future lies ahead of us to say if we gonna need all that or not you know how we quick to want to judge what i don't know if i need to do all of that you know i'm just satisfied you may not be able to stay where you are you know it might be trouble ahead and you have no idea what's coming but abraham it says i think it's in the book of hebrews let me see if i can find it Hebrews 11, look real quick because I didn't write that one down. I forgot to include that one, but I got my trusty. See, that's why you need a, uh, is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Juanita Bynum. Get you a book Bible. She said, she said, y'all gonna get enough of them Bible apps. She said, you mean you using that Bible app on that phone? You be sending all them nasty messages to and cussing people out on there and gossiping on and all of that. She said, get you your Bible from home. <laughs> she got a point there, folks. You know, people get distracted and go to shifting all over that phone when they start getting it i say y'all ain't never been in that interested in the bible my goodness let me see hebrews 11 let me see i think 19 it says here yeah it says here by faith abraham verse 17 when he was tried offered up isaac and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. So it's either offer Isaac up and trust God with him again. Amen. And run the risk of not having God's promise come to pass or trust God one more time in a greater fashion. And he says that in Isaac your seed shall be called accounting to God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So when Abraham looked up after the third day, when he looked and saw the place where the sacrifice would be made, he saw him coming back down with his son. That's why he told the guys at the bottom of the hill, he said, we'll come back down again. He said that because God had showed it to him. He showed him and his son coming back down from the hill. He didn't show him what was going to happen in between. That's where your faith comes in. Because in between, whether there's, whether that's going to happen or not depends on what you do in between. That's what God is testing him on the in between stuff. And so once we understand that we must have faith involved for these things. Now why is this important? Why is God bugging Abraham to do all of this stuff? Because somebody on earth has to believe for the resurrection of the dead. Because that's part of God's covenant. 
The saints that died and went to Abraham's bosom, remember that? They were waiting for the resurrection. You know how they got there? They lived a holy life and they believed that they would be raised from the dead. So that was always a part of Hebrew culture, Hebrew religion, Hebrew uh, um, the scrolls that they would read. They knew that man would live forever. They just knew it, that that understanding was renewed to them. And it did not come until the time of Abraham. Amen. And so when when we see that, we see, and that's why when God, God destroyed the earth and left Noah and his family there, Noah then became the new seed that would come down through Abraham. And through Abraham, all the earth would be blessed, but they would also come to an understanding that they would live forever. Amen. Because God had promised that to them. So the fact that a man would sacrifice his son and believe that God would raise him up from the dead meant that there was faith for the resurrection in Abraham's seed. Amen. So we all inherit that. That's how we we believe. When we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can't be saved until you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You just can't believe in a historical Jesus. You gotta believe the whole thing. And so that's how we get resurrection life and power. And then the same power that raised him from the dead is the power we use in our prayers. It's the power we use in our worship. It's power you lose, use in your confession every single day. It's resurrection power. It's not power to maybe do something or do half of something or do this or do that or maybe any of it's resurrection power, which means that if it's dead, you bring it back to life again with your word. Amen. You have the authority to do that. So Abraham was able to see in a figure God raising his son from the dead. And so that assured for us who would believe. The Bible says those who are of faith are sons and daughters of Abraham. Why? Because we inherit his faith. So you have to have faith that God raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. In First Kings seventeen, got you another example there. And we can be all distressed and stressed, and you know, I don't know about you, but my little nerves can't take that stuff no more. I'll have to find me something else to do because I, I, you know. I don't like being around jumpy people. I don't, you know what I'm saying. Sometimes your pets run from you if you get too wound up. And they got to depend on you to get their food and stuff. They don't, nobody wants to be around wound up people. You know, you like peace. So first Kings, I'm serious. <laughs> right, first Kings 17. This is, you know, this is a, a situation where um, Elijah, the prophet, um, you know, he's he's doing some uh, extraordinary things in ministry. You know, we we like to think that, um, you know, we we understand what's big and what's not big, but uh, Elijah lived during a time where you needed a lot of power in God. He had called for a, um, 
a, a, a drought, a three-year. He didn't know how long it was going to last when he first began to, to speak of the drought. And so his kind of like, well, God, wait a minute now. <laughs> I got to live too. You know what I'm saying? And, and so there may be times where you'll have to speak things that you can get some backlash from. I mean, I don't know how many people can always say things that are pleasing to everybody's ear. But back in the day, prophets could get stoned if the king didn't like what you said. You know, he'd find you and, and kill you. And, and so it just was that way about God's word. People are sinning, having fun in sin. They don't want to hear about God and they don't want to think God's got anybody watching and, and prophesying. So in verse one, it says, Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants, inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word so here this man of God has to turn the rain on and turn the rain off with his words now just between you and me in the <laughs> the woodworks I don't know if he was just Okay, I'm not going to speak nothing about some water anymore. But I'm just wondering if it wasn't, you know, sometime when he got real dry and thirsty, he said, let it rain, Lord, let it rain. <laughs> you know, you be trying it out, see if see if the unction is there, you know. And he see it ain't there. He said, oh, okay, it ain't there. But I, I know I'd be very tempted to do that very thing. And the word of the Lord came to him again saying, okay, you leave and turn eastward. Hide yourself by the brook sheriff that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you'll drink of the brook. And I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So here's a provision is already made for the man of God. Amen. All he's got to do is speak the word to bring an end to the rain. And then God tells him after that. See, it's a funny thing about faith. Faith will not show up for several things at one time. I've tried it and I know it don't work like that. <laughs> Plus I got the Bible and I see it don't work like that. See, we'll try and get uh, uh, faith for step 10 and we're only on step 1 and we know it. You know, we all, now there are some things that will come to you instantly like like step 1 is step 10. But not all of them are like that. So you got to take step 1 of faith. Sometimes if you're, if you've got symptoms in your body, you gotta speak to that pain and speak to it and it'll go away from, for a while and come right back again. You understand what I'm saying? Or you'll think that you might get some relief for a while and on day three it's right back again the way it was before. You see what I'm saying? And so part of us wants to believe for a little bit and then go back to whatever we were doing goofing off before. We don't like the discipline of having to believe God continually and live by faith and walk by faith. We want faith to drop on us real heavy when we feel like we need something and then disappear. And we can go and enjoy our lives in the flesh until next time we have. We'll see that's why we have next times and have next time problems. But the man of God by faith speaks what God tells him to speak. And he tells them, it's going to start at my words and it's going to end at my words. So if Ahab is smart, he won't kill the man of God 
between now. See what I'm saying? That's, there you go. That we gonna, we gonna dry up and perish if we let anything happen to this man. You know what I'm saying? But he, Ahab is so evil, he's still his enemy, so God has to go hide Elijah somewhere so they don't find him. Cause they've already killed all the prophets of God except a hundred. Two companies of fifty were hidden by one of these senior prophets. So they all dead anyway. So God, absolutely, thank you, Sister Obadiah. And so God has to have a way to preserve the man of God's life so he can speak and end the drought. So he's already provided a brook where he he gets it to, he stays there. And it says, so verse 5, he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt at the brook Cherith, which is before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread in the, and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. He had a sandwich for breakfast and for dinner, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came to him again saying now it came after the brook dried up not before you can't focus on two things at one time folks see for for God to come ahead of time and say well I'm gonna just when this dries up now then I'm going to move you over here and over here. That man would be so wound up trying to figure out what's here. And we've got to have enough discipline in us, enough trust in God to know that we don't get the word until it's necessary for the word to come. You got me? You know, sometimes people want a prophecy every time they get around somebody who can halfway prophesy. You know what I'm saying? And and God oftentimes will give you the same word. Well, that, that ain't nothing new. It's just confirming. Well, it's confirming because you didn't do nothing with that word the last time you were up here. You just collect. This ain't horoscope city. You know, like you get a daily horoscope, like you need somebody to tell you what to do every single day of your life or you don't know how to function. God lives in us for a reason. So that we can be led by the spirit within from the word within and for the inner witness. And so when we, we understand what God is doing in our lives and how he is helping us and, and all of that, we'll settle in and learn how to, we're learning his ways, Father. We, he's not fitting into our little comfort zone of life, what we want. He's learning our, we're learning his ways, not the reverse. So it says that after it dried up, See, not before. Suppose God had told this man what he was going to do for him before that brook dried up. Hmm? Uh-huh. He lost his mind. Because it's not only now he got to eat from ravens, which are unclean birds. So he got to go against his religious mindset. You understand what I'm saying? In order to, and he's got to wait on God. He can't, he can't just overeat. You know what I'm saying? I want second helping. <laughs> you get what I send you. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> We've been talking to you about losing 10 pounds anyway, Elijah. Come on now. It's going to be good. Just let it happen. But sometimes you're just grateful, you know, and they didn't believe bring a week's worth of groceries up in there one day. 
you get more than one serving, you might decide to have a party and invite everybody down there. We got to let the wisdom of God work sometimes, folks. You know what I'm saying? We got to let it work. So after the brook had dried up, amen, he said to him in verse 9, get up and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. So this was a heathen country. This is not Jewish country here. And go live there. Behold, I've commanded a widow to take care of you. Now, if he had told that man over here a couple of years ago or however many years of what, he'd have said, no, God, no widow, please. She ain't got nothing. You mean to tell me I'm going to go from a drought and barely living to more drought and barely living? Widows is known to be beggars. They ain't got nothing. Because, you, you know, you don't have a man to work. I mean, back in them days, you had to have male help to get most of the things done that needed to be done you couldn't be keeping house and all of that and going out hunting and shooting and all of that and running a business or whatever so he said i've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you so he arose and went to zarephath and when he came to the gate of the city behold the widow woman was there gathering sticks god said i've commanded her to sustain you. See, that'll keep you from begging. Go to the place where the command is. Huh? Go to where the commanded blessing is. And you'll always be blessed. You go anywhere else, you might get into some trouble. You might have to beg. You might have to separate yourself from God. You won't be free to do what God wants you to do. So you have to follow where God commands you to go. So here you see again, the provision is already made. This is no accident that he just happened to be there and this woman happened to be there and happened to do this and happened to do that because he's going to have to be sustained. That means somebody's going to have to know that they're going to have to feed him continually. Many times we, we will take, we will leave the place of continual blessing and try to venture off into something that, that we think is going to work and it's only temporary. See what I'm saying? Many times, you know, I'll see people have a job that's a consistent job and they're doing pretty good there. And they got one, the devil pops up through one person that don't like them or something like that. Or the boss has bad words or a boss don't never smile and all that kind of stuff. And they let that drive them away from the place where God has ordered to for them to be sustained continually. You know, we're always looking for something better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to know the difference between a place that God has ordained for you to, to be sustained and the place that may dry up after a while again. And so Elijah approaches this woman and she said he told her, uh, bring me verse 11, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord God lives, I, will, I don't have a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we're going to eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little cake first. Bring it to me and make one for your son. 
For thus says the Lord of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord shall bring rain upon the earth. So here he's got his prophecy for, for sustaining himself for life. And that's the way the provision of God goes. See, he's actually, this is like an upgrade to be, <laughs> be honest with you. Because at the Brook Cherith, he had water running, but he didn't know if he'd wake up one morning and didn't hear, hear that brook trickling down anymore. He never knew when it was going to end. But he could see how hot it was and it hadn't rained. And then every day he's here, well, you know, the river over there dried up and that's dried up now and that's dried up and that's dried up. And he's sitting here listening to this brook day after day. Plus, he's got to wait on his meals. If he's hungry in the middle of the day, he's just going to be hungry until night because it ain't coming till night. So many times that's the way our provision is when we follow God. It's it's there it's consistent, but there's no abundance and there's no room to relax where you can feel secure. And you, so God will have to be your security day in, day out. And this is God's way because even Jesus prayed in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. You get bread day by day by day. But here the man of God gets elevated because he tells this woman that this meal will not run out. This oil will not run out until rain comes back. So he has a place of continual provision now instead of day by day provision. So God will always elevate us. But you got to be tested first on the day to day. You can't grumble. You can't complain. You might get a little exhausted with it or, or tired of the same thing over and over again. But you've got to stay in faith in God and you've got to believe that he knows what you want and that day will come when you can relax and you'll know what's coming. So this woman sustains him for for many days. And then it comes a time where uh um she has something happen in her household. So her son dies one day. Now to be honest with you, she doing good to have had him for the years that Elijah's been with her. Cause really she, she and, she and he had died the day the prophet showed up. Wasn't that her plan? We gonna eat this one last meal and we gonna die. So this lady has had, I would say, at least another year of meals, if not more, since a man of God's been in her household. Now, just between me, you and the woodwork, if you're living supernaturally every day because a man of God has come to stay with you, you've got to at some point accept that God is real. you got to at some point accept that God loves you. You got to at some point, you know, just believe in the goodness of God. You got to start putting your faith in God, because here this man is is a servant of God. He's coming to her house day in day out, getting his provision. She probably got a little little backyard or something. He sleeps in or a tent on the property where she is, and and it says. Uh, the barrel of meal didn't waste, verse 16. The cruise of oil didn't fail, according to his word. 
And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so bad that he died. And she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O thou man of God? Are you come to me to call my sin into remembrance and to kill my son? So after he's fed her all this time, she still believes that God is there to do her harm and not good. See, at some point, you got to see enough and know enough to believe in God. And God expects that. When he reveals himself to people, he expects them to believe in him. You see it over and over again in this Old Testament. You see the this widow woman. You saw the uh, Shunammite woman. These were all Gentile people. They were estranged from God. But after contact with the man of God, you're supposed to give your heart to the Lord. Just like people we pray for. You know, and they want to come and get prayer. Come and get prayer and ease up and get some more prayer. Well, when are you going to start praying for yourself? When are you going to give your heart to the Lord? You know he's good. You see what he's done for you. And he said to her, give me your son. She took him out of her bosom and carried him up to a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought evil upon the widow with whom I sow by slaying her son? So he knows better. You know, he knows this lady is due the prophet's reward. Nobody sustains a prophet without getting blessed. You understand what I'm saying? That's due her. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let his soul come back to him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came to him again, and he revived. So Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to him, Now I'm convinced. I know that you're a man of God. What do you think he was before? Huh? You see some people can be around the goodness of God continually and not receive it. They'll see you as just a a normal man or woman, a a heathen just like them, or just watch you to to see if you're going to win, you're going to mess up. Because they're sure you're going to mess up. So now she's convinced. Sometimes it takes that drastic a situation you understand what i'm saying for people to be convinced that god's people are god's people you know and we're all that we're open epistles we're all the world has because many times they're not going to open a bible on their own many times they're running from the things of god and the people of god so we're under a microscope all the time now she watched him provide them uh uh, meal supernaturally but she still had death in her mind somewhere and you know that because death manifested on the sun she probably looking at that food every day he already told elijah they'll be sustained through the drought you know she don't believe that she's looking every day waiting for for it all the end and she and her son gonna die one day and so it happens huh If you don't turn that thing over to God, you're carrying things in you sometimes that you don't even know 
are there to put a, a hurt in your life or put something in your life that shouldn't be there. You know, so you have to turn all of this stuff over to God and let him examine it. And let him see and say, hey, I'm going to deliver you from this thought. Or I'm going to deliver you from this fear. I'm going to li- deliver you from not having confidence in me that I'm going to do one thing or another for you. And so she, God gives her mercy. Amen. He owes it to her because she's been taking care of his servant. She doesn't know that though. But now she's convinced that he is a man of God. Amen. And God will convince people about us too. We don't have to worry. They, they, sometimes it's a hard road for them, but they'll, they'll get convinced. Amen. Because God wants to reveal himself to everybody. Praise God. All right. Why don't we stop? Well, Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for allowing us to hear about your provision that comes ahead of time. It's there for us already, Lord. All we have to do is just to see it as being there. We're not waiting on anything. We're not waiting on any kind of provision. We're not waiting on healing. We're not waiting on deliverance. We're not waiting, Father, because it's already there and it's available to us. So we receive it, Father, the fullness of life in you by faith. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.